0: going on good people of the internet and it it's time for on flagship podcast panel to panel where a bunch of folks shoot the breeze and talk about comic books and such we are back once again once again where we're talking about all of our good comic book news and comic book topics because sometimes we like to just talk about the comic books that we love and all that good stuff here on panel to panel don't forget that you can listen to this podcast on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, digital radio spotify youtube um pandora uh Audible and Amazon Music, both of those apps are able to listen to podcasts now, which is awesome as hell. Um, and basically, anywhere you want to listen to a podcast, it does not matter. We are there except for SoundCloud because no one likes SoundCloud. And we will um, always be here. We, we are kicking off uh, our 50th episode um in like in the next week or so but this is our 49th episode and we are so glad that over the past two years we've been making some amazing content off and on uh due to, due to scheduling and and the virus but we are here and we are going to be starting 2021 with the bang having several episodes throughout the weeks and doing some amazing content because of things like uh dc future state and whatnot different collabs we'll be having going on but none of that fun stuff my name is james portis to my left we have the man with the afro that is potentially going to going to war with Mary this evening, which is going to be hilarious to watch. Uh we have Mr. Travis Tucker, how you doing today? Pretty good.
1: Uh <clears throat> been going to war on Destiny all all fucking day. Same. <laughs> so I'm ready.
0: <laughs> Jesus Christ. She it's not like she's an almond car or something. That's just rude. Um <laughs> anyway. Um we, we to my right, we have the woman who has been hyped for this movie. For months and months and months, throughout the delays, throughout the the merchandise in the Kroger, she has been ready for this movie to drop. We have Mary. How you doing this evening,
2: Travis? Destiny has not prepared you for this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, I'm, I'm fine.
0: That's what's up, folks. Don't forget you can follow this podcast on Twitter at ptb underscore podcast. You can follow us on. Uh, Twitter, and Instagram at OnComicsGround with the website, and you can check out On-Comics-Ground.com where all of our amazing reviews, previews, and solicitations are posted every week for you good people. Um, Starting in 2021, we will be doing a bit of a refresh and getting things looking prettier for you good folks, but for now, we are going to dive into the, the discussion this evening because as we hinted at in the, in the in last week's episode, we are going to be reviewing one uh, DC, Warner Brothers, and at uh, one, uh, Wonder Woman, eighty, nineteen eighty four. I cannot talk this evening. Um, directed by Patty Jenkins, uh, starring Gal Gadot, Chris Pine, um, Pedro Pascal, and Kristen Wiig. This movie was very satisfying for from for, for me. Like, um, I m- made it very clear uh, before we started recording that this movie was not the greatest thing ever. It wasn't like the worst thing ever. It was like it it was very enjoyable like the, the comparison i i said was i felt like i went to applebees and had myself a very nice meal i didn't overstuff myself like it wasn't like i went to red lobster and had too many cheddar biscuits like i i i had a nice meal it was very nice so we're going to go ahead and dive into this in, in our, our discussions and whatnot um travis what are your overall feelings of the movie before we get into the nitty-gritty of things uh
1: honestly i think In my honest opinion, it was a great cast with a bad script. That's kind of where I sit with that. And it's not mainly because of Maxwell Lord and his his, way he was used and how pivotal he was in literally every fucking part of this movie. Oh, God. Maybe it's my comic fanboy coming out of me because I kind of want him to get his neck snapped after Wonder Woman gets punched to the sun. (laughs) But I, I, I think Maxwell Lord was probably my biggest issue with this
0: movie. Okay, we'll dig into that in a few minutes. But, um, Mary, what were your overall thoughts of the movie?
2: I mean, it's a solid movie. I'm not going to say, you know, it's a 10 out of 10 A+. Plus. I gave it a 9 out of 10 in the review, but that's for a lot of personal reasons, because I don't know if you boys knew this, but I really like Wonder Woman. Oh, no, really? No, I, I <laughs> no know way. I know. <laughs> And unfortunately, you know, fortunately for me, unfortunately for everyone in my immediate vicinity, I have read a lot of Wonder Woman. <laughs> so there's a lot of elements that Patty leaned into that I really liked. But if we're talking at the overall movie, it was fine. It was good. It was never going to be as good as the first one. Um, like Travis, I do think the use of Maxwell Lord was a little weird particularly in his 80s introduction because when he w- he was introduced in the comics in the 80s and when um he was you know com- in the 80s Justice League comics he was just a skeevy businessman. Mm-hmm. But when his post crisis his post infinite crisis um uh d- 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 iteration is so famous for one thing. You know, the only thing most people know about Maxwell Lord prior to this was that he got his neck snapped. Yes. And that, you know, there was everything with Checkmate and all that stuff. So I think going back to the 1980s where he was just a skeevy business guy who worked with the Justice League from time to time, I think that was a little weird.
0: And see, I I love how you bring that up because a a few episodes ago, when I brought that up and my confusion of... Maxwell Lord being the main pro- uh, antagonist of this movie, y'all gave me side eye. Y'all, like, and I, and I was like, wait a minute, hold up. Now I'm like, wait a minute, hold up. Like, hey, that, please, hey, we I,
1: easily could have, we could have received and lost Ted Cord in this movie,
0: but we didn't. Yeah, no, yeah. like, it, it just, was, yeah, go ahead, Barry.
2: I was hoping he'd get a, he'd get his neck snapped, and I don't like that the movie set it up.
3: Yeah, they did. They really big <laughs> the time.
2: When he's standing in that thing, he's like, nothing can stop me, blah, ha, ha, And Wonder and Woman's like, like, no, I gotta
0: run your leg, not your neck, motherfucker. I'm like, bah!
2: And I think if you took out Maxwell Lord, if you left everything about the movie completely, left everything out of the movie the same, and you replaced Maxwell Lord with Veronica Kale, the movie would have made a gajillion percent more sense. And I even mentioned that in my review.
3: Mm-hmm. Because
2: Veronica Kale is basically Wonder Woman's Lex Luthor. Yeah, she is an evil genius with a bunch of money, and she canonically has a daughter, Maxwell Lord. You know, especially in his post Infinite Crisis. I mean, he doesn't. Tamaki gave him a kid who's like a teenager, but I'm not counting that because what?
0: When did that happen?
2: (laughs) Because what? (laughs) I mean, that change that addition is less than a year old. Oof. But
0: and, um, and, and, and like, did did she bring Lore back in Wonder Woman?
2: Yes. What the fuck? Mm, okay. Probably
0: yeah, really tie
2: in. he's in like super Justice League jail or some shit like that.
0: Yeah, because um, at when Justice League versus Suicide Squad came out during like right when the Suicide Squad movie came out, they put him in that as the main antagonist, and um, actually awesome. Uh, like um, and the, what was funny about that reintroduction of him? Was he was obsessed with a jewel in that book too, which I thought was such a like a hell of a callback of like, oh, he's obsessed with this crazy crystal thing here, but in the book he was obsessed with the Eclipso crystal. So it's like, how how much of a twist would that have been if this motherfucker pulls up and is Eclipso? I lost my mind. <laughs> um. But obviously, folks, we are diving into spoiler territory, obviously. Um, We will have it in the title. This is a spoiler cast episode. This is a discussion of the entire movie. Like, um, we apologize for those overseas who are not able to see the movie. We apologize to those. Who are not able to afford HBO Max, but the movie is readily available to people in the U.S. So we, like, like similar to other releases like the the, Mar- the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, similar to other DC Warner Brothers releases, we feel it deemable worthy to di- uh, discuss this. So if you need to skip this episode, we understand. We hope you will still enjoy other episodes we have on our platforms and whatnot, but. This will be something we discuss heavily. So, thank you for staying with us, if you say, but we are going to go dive in full spoiler territory as we already have started to joke about. So, first off, now that like, the, I, I want to talk about the opening scene, the opening, like, five minute scene back on Themiscarab. I really enjoyed it to a point because, like, And and I I forget who said it. There was there was a YouTuber I was watching earlier that said like it it feels sort of tacked on, as if like they had Robin Wright and like the rest of the Amazons on contracts. They were like, "Screw it, let's film this." But at the same time, I enjoy it for what it is, and it loosely ties into the rest of the plot. And like obviously, with Wonder Woman having the mascara in the background is a good thing, but. I really enjoyed this for what it was. And I I, I don't know if y'all have any opinion on the opening scene, but, like, it was very enjoyable. I think they should have chose a bit of an older actress for Diana because, like, her tiny ass compared to all these women and she's kicking all of their asses. I was like, wait, what? (laughs) But entirely, like, it was very like, silver agey comical how she, like, slid down the hill and hopped on the horse. I really enjoyed that. Um, I-, I don't know, like, if either of y'all have any opinions on the opening scene.
1: Um, I liked how it kind of set the theme for the rest of the movie and ultimately how the movie ended.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: though I agree that the whole, like, small, eight-year-old child beating grown-ass women
0: in sports was fucking weird to me. like she was Uh, shooting them arrow shots and it was like oh diana like like, but you can tell on like robin wright and um apolita's faces they're like oh cool it it was it was very shocking and i enjoyed that um uh, mary you are the residential wonder woman um expert how did you feel about this scene
2: I mean, ironically, I think it either the interview either came out earlier today or yesterday that Patty Jenkins said that Warner Brothers uh, specifically wanted that scene cut oh. and and Patty Jenkins told them to go to hell. Oh, because yeah. she, she has enough because there was the Themyscira scene and then there was another scene that they wanted cut. I don't remember what the second scene was off the top of my head, but they wanted both of them cut from the film. And Patty Jenkins said, not no, but hell no. And they went, yes, ma'am. Oh. I think um, Themyscira was a very popular um, part of the first movie because, you know, it's Themyscira. It's the mythical, and even in reality, it's the mythical home to the Amazon. So it has... A pretty lengthy history and people are fascinated in it and you know who doesn't want to see an island full of gorgeous women? Mm. But um there was a lot of call, even after the first movie, to reference the mascara again, specifically because it was um we saw it in Justice League as well.
3: Yeah.
2: Be that what it was. I think I um Connie Nielsen has talked about that there's still a the scene in Zack Snyder's Justice League. Mm. So Hopefully we'll see that expanded on a little more because it was just very weedified. Honestly, I don't know what it was <laughs> nah.
0: because if you look at how the shot in the trailer of like um Stephen Wolf uh like getting to Themyscira, mascara it's the same like big colosseum central scene. So I don't know how much weedified that was.
2: He cut he, um he cut scenes from it because um uh, Do you do you vaguely remember Injustice League where Diana's fucking with the statue and they're like, oh my god, this ancient Greek temple got burned and shit. Yeah, it was um, Hippolyta that fired the arrow. Oh. And um, one of the cut scenes was Wonder Woman going to check it out and kind of being like, oh shit, apparently my mother's still alive. Oh. And so there's you know there's some expositional scenes involving Themyscira that got cut. But uh, Robin Wright was a very popular figure in the first movie, and it was more of a people will be mad if we don't include this kind of a thing. And um, the little girl Lily Astwell, I think her name is. She's the same little girl from the first movie, so I think I think it's cute that they brought her back because um, apparently she and Gal just absolutely adore each other. It was it was just very cute. Oh,
0: okay, that makes sense. And-
2: in terms of, you know, the child beating the grown-ass Amazons, she is, and I this genuinely pains me to say it, a daughter of Zeus. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, that hurts so much to say. I know.
0: I understand your pain.
2: Fun fact, um, do you remember the starting lineup in the movie where baby Diana's, you know, getting all ready, and she looks over to the blonde woman on her left, and the blonde lady's like, what the fuck? Yeah. Um... Victoria and I pieced it together. That blonde woman is actually Melissa Benoit's stunt double on Supergirl. Oh. So I just, I think it's fun that she kind of got to expand out into other DC properties. Sweet. And Victoria did, uh, no. I think I made the joke to Victoria that they were letting Diana win because you don't want to beat the princess.
0: That's probably why the two girls at the end, when they threw the, the um, the javelin they're like yeah (laughs) like robin wright grabbed her at the end and it felt kind of like damn you just robbed this girl of everything because for me that scene it didn't feel like she cheated it felt like she was trying to find a way to still stay in the race that's why when um when robin wright's like yo you cheated i'm like wait wouldn't that show like Initiative not to just give up more than cheated? Like the horse kinda said, Screw you cause you got knocked off the thing by a bush. Like it bothered me that they just said like no you cheated.
1: It, it didn't feel that way. Like they were just like, Oh yeah, she's gonna win and then she was taken out and like, What the fuck? You cheated. Where? Where? Where did she cheat? I think <laughs>
2: I think, and you know, kind of uh, looping back to what Travis said, um, I think it served very well as a framing device for the narrative of the film and the overall tone. But I think what she essentially meant by that is that, look, there are no half measures. You know, here are the rules that were established. You did not do that. Therefore, you lost. You cheated. I'm using air quotes here. And I think that ties in very heavily to Steve that, you know, there are no half measures there. Mm-hmm. You, It's one of those decisions where you have to make a black or white choice. Fair enough.
0: All right.
1: Ain't no half step. Yeah.
2: Um, and I, I just thought it was fun for Robin Wright to come back, but Diana also quotes, you know, that speech in entirety later in the film.
0: Yeah. Um, From there, we move on to what I can only quantify as, like, the Richard Donner Wonder Woman cut of the movie, where...
2: where... (laughs) Unnecessary. Hey, guys, guys, this is the 80s establishing shot. Well, no, not even
0: that. More like, like, yes, the, the 80s reference, but also, like... It felt so much like like Richard Donner Superman with the how like the Silver Age camp of throwing the girl over into the teddy bears and like wrangling up all the bad guys and moving super fast like it felt like that classic superhero type of thing and I really enjoyed that but just the the whole like more present opening shot where Diana's kicking the like the butts of all the robbers and whatnot and that was really cool and i love how um and i hate to make this reference but i love how like like the one dude in the robber team pulled the Michael Jackson and just hung the girl over the the, the balcony. <laughs> like, it was so comical. Damn, yeah, like, he it,
1: called it pulling the Michael Jackson.
0: Right, like, I, I feel bad. But it's like, he, he does that, and it's so weird, because even his dudes are like, bro, what are you doing? This is too much. And it, it, and it's like, oh, I don't want to go back to jail! And then he drops the old girl. And Diana just goes, whoop! And it, was, it felt so, like... Campy goodness, action, and I loved every second of that entire scene. And then she throws the tiara, and that felt good. And it just everything about this was just so good. Like, like I, it got me into the movie more than the mascara thing did. If that makes sense.
2: I like that the scene basically establishes that Diana is Bigfoot. <laughs> yeah. If we look at the canon, if we look at the canon, she doesn't reveal, you know, quote unquote, reveal herself to the public as, you know, quote unquote Wonder Woman until after Justice League. Well. Where, you know, cause the big theme in Justice League is that, you know, heroes need a visible presence. Because at that point all they've really had is Batman, Superman, and maybe Flash doing some shenanigans. hmm So she reveals herself publicly to the world at that point. And so like i do like that you know she's like there are sightings and you see her and you know people have seen her but you don't know who she is and wow so i think that's funny that it i think it's funny that it basically just establishes that she's bigfoot Mm -hmm. and (laughs) and it is a (laughs) the mall i'm gonna point out every comic book scene do it so i apologize um it's a really fun adaptation of a goddamn Rebirth scene, if you'll believe it. Ooh. Yeah, it's it's as recent as Rebirth, because in Greg Rucka and Nicholas Scott's Wonder Woman Year One Rebirth origin, she has a big fight at the mall, even down to rescuing the children. So it's not a, oh, look at a coincidence. This was a direct adaptation. Wow. Huh. So, and honestly, the scene is actually even referenced in Justice League as well. But, so, there are a lot of comic book moments that Patty Jenkins just took a bunch of comic books and just dumped them into the script, and I'm like, yay!
0: Yeah, like, that's what makes it fun, is that, like, the one thing I can say about this movie and the previous Wonder Woman is that Patty Jenkins cares. Like, that's what has me excited to see her do a Star Wars movie now, is that she cares about what she's doing.
2: And I think that's something we don't see in all comic book movie directors is that you know is it adapting the source material or is it doing what you want and vaguely linking it to the source material Mm. and there are individual directors that you can tell genuinely want to engage with the source material others not so much and then unfortunately and I I'm I'm desperately trying to not point fingers here But Marvel's really bad about that, because they know that the comics will adapt to movie canons, just because, you know, um, consolidation of narratives hopefully might boost sales, except JK, it doesn't. (laughs) And DC has just a larger history to lean into. Yeah. But at this, I'm starting to ramble at this point, nah, so we should...
0: I, I love discussing this kind of thing, and, like, and that's what I love about doing this show, is that people learn more about comic history by listening to the show sometimes, and like, I love that. So, dig in. Enjoy your ranting. Um, but, Travis, um, did you enjoy mm-hmm. the mall scene?
1: <laughs> I thought it was more symbolic than anything. I didn't really take it seriously. I kind of took it in the same way that I took the opening scene in Justice League, where it was, this This is Wonder Woman, she's going to save everyone, especially the little girls, and the little girl in you, type of thing. That's kind of how I watched it, because if you notice, all the robbers are really greasy, shitty-looking dudes.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I I pointed out in my review, I'm sorry to interrupt Travis, that- Go ahead. And- I don't know, like, I don't think this was intentional, the movie doesn't have an anti-man narrative, but I pointed this out in my review, which you can find on the website, by the way, um, that every other man, almost every other man in this movie that has a direct impact on the plot is a fucking scumbag.
1: A huge scumbag, not a regular scumbag.
0: Like they're scumbags, a huge scumbag, and
2: I, and I don't get it because you know I noticed that, and like once you notice it about the movie, you don't notice it, and the movie clearly does not have an anti-man narrative because it would have been a hell of a lot more direct about it. But you know, there's Steve Trevor, and then the nice homeless guy that Barbara knows. Yeah, and
1: that was like it
2: yeah and other you know guys with and i mean there are side characters you know background characters that seem nice like but every other grown man in this movie is just kind of a dirt bag. hey there emerson
0: a, was cool damn it
2: <laughs> There's a lot of harassment in this movie
1: it's the 80s
2: so the I, 80s I,
1: to be fair the 80s was a complete garbage time oh yeah absolutely one. You know what I mean? Like it was but... a male dominated world in the 80s and I think I think they were just trying to shed some light on that to be completely honest with you.
2: And I think Patty may have been overcompensating to the feminist critiques of the first film. That it's possible? The first film and this inherently isn't a bad thing. I don't read it as a bad thing, but I know a lot of people did, that there was a very heavy focus on men in the first Wonder Woman movie. And that was a specific thematic choice because Diana had to decide whether or not man's world was worth it. And she ultimately decided that, you know, because the Themysciran and propaganda about men is pretty, hey, they're kind of all terrible. And... If you look at the Amazons in isolation, that does make sense. They were, you know, enslaved by Hercules and shit. Or er, Heracles, excuse me. Mm. So and George Perez did some stuff that the Amazons were reincarnated women who had been brutally killed by men. Damn. So there there's kind of just it's not anti-man, it's anti the guys that are douchebags.
0: The anti shitty men.
2: Exactly and you know it's it's more about bringing light to issues like you know, you know harassment assault things like that and that was a heavy narrative for the 80s to have
3: yeah
2: but um yeah. a lot of women were a little frustrated that you know the first wonder woman movie she's the world's biggest lady superhero all this stuff focused on the dudes that she was hanging out with it's a definite it's a thematic choice that worked in the film but a lot of people were a little you know oh okay about it so i'm wondering if it was partial overcompensation she's like okay wait a minute um you know and she you know she was very blunt about the first film she's like look i didn't set out to make a quote-unquote feminist movie i set out to make a movie that people would enjoy and most people are like yeah and it worked but (laughs) you know not unfortunately for me obviously because you know lady Um, There is a certain degree of feminism that you have to bring into Wonder Woman. And I'm not talking pop culture feminism. Just a lot of, like, genuine, you know, dialogue that has to come in with Wonder Woman.
3: Yeah.
2: And this wasn't poorly done. It was actually just kind of funny. Because, again, it's not obvious. But when you notice it, you're like, wait. Oh, shit. Yeah. So... So I appreciate that she at least brought that in without making every guy in the universe seem like a douchebag, which you know, there's typically, you know, it's one or the other. I, so she found I, a nebulous area.
0: I, I am I am waiting for the for like the first like shitty gatekeeper dude who's like oh this movie endorses the abuse of men because of the scene where like cheetahs just beating the shit out of the dude like i'm waiting for that to be a
3: thing like, he was a
2: sexual predator yes. I, I i i have already seen it no you're lying That's, oh my god
3: oh no
2: i'm that not
1: Me up, because like that part to me and i men are trapped I will say that on this podcast. I am them. I'm the straight here. Let me tell you all first. Men, straight men, are fucking trash. So Kristen Wiig's moment in that scene was she was no longer the damsel in distress that needed to be rescued. She now had the tools that she needed to survive on her own. Yeah, maybe she was a little brutal, but that's kind of of the way the world forced her to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. Wasn't, it was, like If it was the first encounter and she had that ability, I'm sure it would have been just a shove and a walk away, but he'd already tried this before, and now she's feeling powerful after being powerless, so what do the powerless do when they get power? They flex a bit,
0: yeah. you know? And, like, it definitely felt deserved. Like, especially when he, like, goes, yeah, I remember you. Let's go for round two. And I'm like, nah, man. Like, Like, where were we? Yeah, no, like, you need to get your ass, like, handed to you, dog. (laughs) And then, like, I felt bad for the homeless dude who pulls up after the fight. And he's like, yo, Barbara, what'd you do? And And she's just like... Don't worry about it. And I'm like, man, like, you, <laughs> mind your business. <laughs> like, mind, you know, she said to mind your business. And, like, it felt kind of like, like, I, I don't, I don't want to read too much into this. Because, like, I, I know that's not what Patty meant by it. But, like, it, it kind of radiated that, like, black folks need to mind their business from a white person's perspective. And I, I didn't want to look at it that way. But just the, the tone in Kristen Wiggs' voice had me like, mm, I don't like that. But it, it's the 80s. I'll let it go. Um, but moving on on.
2: I'll go ahead Mary I think from Petty Jenkins perspective that's probably just a coincidence she doesn't really do deep meta you know meta commentary in terms of politics she didn't even do it in monster she's very very direct um don't watch monster
0: okay
2: It, it, it is a very good movie but it is a very brutal movie I've seen it once never again okay fair enough it's about a, it's about a serial killer who was violently assaulted eileen Mornos is a real life is a real world serial killer violently assaulted Oh. and we see that and patty really went all in with that one
0: all right um anyway not rambling not right. fine um good, good advice i i didn't know it existed um so I want to talk about before we get into like like the like the streamlined plot itself uh, like any further. I want to talk about Maxwell Lord because we already hinted at the conversation, but Maxwell Lord is a very interesting case. Where for for a quick history lesson for those who don't really know much about him in the comics, he before the Crisis on Infinite Earths sort of fixed him. Um, he was canonized as just an up and coming businessman wanted to do some businessman type things he was kidnapped by aliens he was given superpowers by those aliens
2: invasion. what invasion
0: huh oh you cut out invasion the
2: oh, the oh, dominator oh. yeah the
0: dominators yeah. invasions for need a reference to the cw um he was kidnapped he was given superpowers and for a long time he used his money his wealth and his influence to basically become the benefactor of the Justice League International. And the reason why, even before, on a previous episode, where I was, like, confused as to why Maxwell Lord was the villain was because up until Infinite Crisis, where you have the iconic next snap that Wonder Woman does him a, a, a service, um, you, you never really saw these two characters in the same room. Even when he was technically a member of the JLI, she was nowhere to be seen. Because it was the B-Team. It was Blue Beetle, Captain Atom, Fire, Ice, Booster, Gold, and uh, Guy Gardner with his dumbass. Like, it was that group. So, like, for them to use him because of the influence that he had on her future, it's very strange, but... I like, and I know, um, Travis has a, his opinions on it, and we'll get to that in a second. But I, I find myself okay with what they did. Like, they sort of Mandarin him, if that makes sense. If we're making an Iron Man three reference, where his 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 real name isn't Lord. So, if randomly in a few years down the line, when we get another Justice League movie or what have you, where they want to reuse Maxwell Lord, they can. I don't think they will, but they have the option to, or if the TV shows want to use them, he can. But, I said them and he, but that didn't make any sense. Um, But, like, in general, I think what they did with Maxwell Lord was very interesting, and I didn't expect them to twist his power into a wishing system rather than a command system. So that was kind of cool. So
2: uh he's he's not gonna pop up on tv anytime soon um unless supergirl does a thing because um i mean and this has been a while since season one of supergirl when it was on cbs but he was actually the primary antagonist oh in the very first season of supergirl Uh, it was actually played by peter fancinelli oh yeah. Yeah, I mean and Peter Fancinelli did a good job, but that was more evil business, you know. He was still a businessman but more in line with the post uh Infinite Crisis evilness. Okay. That's I good. feel like I keep switching Infinite and Final Crisis. So if I like I feel like I keep I'm... No, no, no. Infinite Crisis is the one that's actually good. Yeah, that's but I am I'm, I'm talking um after the event before he gets his next nap. It, it's yeah. uh, it, it's in countdown. So it's in
3: crisis, yeah.
2: Yeah. So I'm I'm sorry. I am tired. So if I keep like going all over the place with those crisis events, I'm tired and in my defense there is a lot of them. There is a lot of crises.
0: Crises. Yes. Um, There's even an identity crisis. Yes. <laughs> like <laughs> Dark Knight's Metal was going to be Dark Crisis until they were told no. Um, <laughs> but in general, I I like what they do with Maxwell Lord. Um, Travis, I know you have your thoughts on Maxwell Lord. I don't know if you want to speak on that before we continue with the final movie. Him. Say again,
1: CC was showing Um, me I I, I, her
0: I wonderful I, work. Do you want to express your opinions about Maxwell Lord?
1: Um, my my problem with Maxwell Lord is that he was such a he was like reverse Batman. For me you know what i mean huh. with like everything he did with checkmate shooting ted cord in the face you know everything that led up to him getting killed being necessary is kind of what made him such a great character for me so seeing him back in his like proto stage and not to mention pedro pascal is a wonderful actor i love him it was it, it, i found it some weird irony that Wonder Woman kind of embodied two of my favorite roles of his in this movie. One of them being fucking Agent Whiskey in Kingsman 2 with the lasso fighting. <laughs> hey, not with the switch, kid. Um, and then the other one being her tanking so many damn gunshots like he does in The Mandalorian. But all in all, he's a damn good actor. So he was able to take what little bit of Maxwell Lord there is in that era and turn him into something that you can understand and watch develop. But on that same hand, with him just being the skeevy businessman, his his wants were simply greed-based alone. And with him being able to manipulate people with wishes, I was like, okay, maybe they could have used someone else entirely. Because Maxwell Lord, to me, is the, you know, checkmate shooting Blue Beetle kind of guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hell, Max. So that's I see him as the the uh, how do I put this the the coked out wolf of Wall Street with magic, like
0: <laughs> yeah even with the nosebleeds <laughs> I see what you did there yeah
1: even with the nosebleeds like that's kind of how I viewed him and I was like oh man it's a really compelling villain but the fact that he was Maxwell Lord is what disconnected me from that being compelled.
3: Again.
2: Mary, uh, oh, just to kind of tack on to what Travis said, I think I don't remember if I said it early in the broadcaster before we started recording. Um, Maxwell Lord's whole plot would have made a bazillion percent more sense if it had been Veronica Kale.
0: Yeah, he does that because like, it makes sense. It totally makes sense.
2: And I mean, and you know, particularly since Veronica Kale canonically has a child, that you know she we have already seen Veronica Kale multiple times do anything to protect her kid, even if it means working with Wonder Woman, whom she hates with a fiery passion of hellfire. Yeah. So I think that would have been a better character to use. But I've noticed that, you know, between the first Wonder Woman film and this one, Patty tries to stick to villains and iterations in whatever era she's trying to work with. Because the first Wonder Woman movie is only set in world war one because of captain america yeah and yeah um everybody's been really upfront with that that they couldn't do a world war ii movie without it drawing too many dumbass comparisons to captain america so they just fortunately we've had two world wars (laughs) please note my obvious sarcasm um, so that's why they moved it back but we still saw a lot of very heavy golden age references particularly with Dr. Poison I mean hell those golden age references were so specific that Patty got the damn color of her gloves right yeah. like that's how intense and in depth with these things that she goes because Dr. Poison's had a lot of different iterations over the years but in her golden age iteration she had kind of reddish pink gloves and this green you know hazmat bodysuit thing and that's what she was wearing in the movie. So we saw some a lot of Golden Age connection there. And in the 80s, we, you know, see Maxwell Lord in his 80s iteration, which I won't go so far as to say that it was a mistake, but it didn't really make sense in comparison to how we see him now.
3: It,
0: yeah, so it's like, I enjoy it, but it's very bizarre. Um so I I I, I want to I know how y'all want to proceed with cuz we can go play by play for the rest of the movie or we can just talk about the character be- like the characters and then like like right. work in our, our thoughts out. on the movie throughout that.
2: I think talking about the characters and kind of how they relate to the larger plot might be easier.
0: All right. All, all right. right. Well then let's kick it back off with Cheetah because okay
2: hold up i gotta get all my knives out because i'm gonna have to shank some people
0: oh no i'm not i'm not i, I loved this and i i will say that i like kristen wig i i know oh. i knew there was something boiling in you ever since you were that girl at target on snl like <laughs> like 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 you you've been waiting for something like this and damn if you didn't bring it like jesus Oh, I was going to let Mary, Mary uh, moan for a second, but I guess she she was done.
3: <laughs> no.
2: Um, I was actually very nervous when I heard they cast Kristen Wiig. Mm-hmm. And now, do not misunderstand. I am a massive fan of Kristen Wiig. I'm a huge fan of her SNL stuff. I mean, Bridesmaids is beyond hysterical.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And honestly, and you know, the internet's going to come after me for this. I liked Ghostbusters
0: i mean same
2: honestly um an easy way to reconcile it with everyone is just consider it ghostbusters for lesbians
3: yeah
2: and there there we go that recognize that you know rectifies the existence of the entire film is that it's ghostbusters for the gays um so and you know in everything you know and in most of her body of work we've seen you know kind of that funny gal aspect And, you know, there are more serious moments that we've seen bits and pieces of, but I mean, we're talking about excuse me, uh, we're talking about the most sinister iteration of Cheetah. There have been four different Cheetahs and Barbara Minerva is the most pervasive, you know, she's the most popular. And Barbara is downright fucking evil. Mm -hmm. I mean, they kind of lightened her up a bit in Rebirth and that's you know, how even that whole friends to enemies thing that Diana and Barbara has going on, have going on in the film, that's actually from Rucka. So there's a lot of Greg Rucka in this movie.
3: Hmm.
2: But um so that's actually a rebirth edition in Perez Barbara's just evil. But um, so I was I was honestly I was a little worried because I'm like, look, you know, she can do Barbara. And, you know, that's why we see Barbara's kind of the lovable klutz. That's a very Kristen Wiig, you know, archetype. But the term I use is cheatification just because it's a funny word I came up with when I was writing the review. <laughs> that White House fight. <clears throat> sorry, my, uh, I'm all stuffed up today. But um, that, white, that fight at the White House when she just kind of steps in and she sheds every single you know piece of that you know levity funny girl aspect and just you know so we see you know kind of the rucka barbara to straight perez cheetah just dropping that and picking up that sinister nature i was blown away
0: yeah no like there's the moment like when they go to see the like the mayan hobo dude and she has like the really thick cheetah overcoat on And then you see her, like, literally shed that. When she shows up to the White House, that's gone. She's just wearing a really more, like, tight, like, jacket... And you see the look on her face has altered. You see that she's like almost symbolically let go of her past as a comedic actress. And it's just come in ready to swing and throw hands. And it's like yes, I want this. And her tone, her stature as she's walking in. Like Sheila just, like just shows up and just yeets Diana and Steve across the room. Which I thought was just glorious. And then when they got the guns on her she just like jumps up in the air and it just bolts down the hallway and it was just yes all of this but then, but then there's the moment at the end of the movie where like Pe- uh Pedro looks at her and goes what do you want she's like I want to be an apex predator I was like oh that line, oh.
2: That line is so beautifully delivered yes because, I mean, that line is pure Perez, and, you know, she kind of does that little whisper-speak, I want to be an apex predator, and I'm like, yes, give me that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, that line was brilliant, and then in the fight with Cheetah at the end, you know, we're talking full Cheetahfication, where Diane is like, you have to renounce your wish, and she goes, she kind of growls and says, never. Like, that, ah, ah, that is peak Cheetah, and I love it.
0: And then, like, there's, there's still that moment where she goes, you're still patronizing me, which... I will say that line right there speaks to, I think the only shortcoming of um, like uh, Barbara's arc is she sort of shows up with the, like the best way I can describe this is the Jamie Foxx of the uh, amazing Spider-Man two, where it's like, you're the nerd, you're like the, like the walking in klutz, but like like you just showed up, you were hired four (laughs) weeks ago, apparently. But then...
1: Like, oh, the, the Pamela Isley in the... the yeah, 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 yeah. Like,
0: like, like she should have been here. Like, it's she, like she should have... Like, 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 what? What did you say, there?
2: I was going to say in regards to Travis's joke, um, it is such a comic book movie trope to have, like, the nerdy glasses type turn into the badass. I fucking love it.
0: Yeah, no. Like, that was one of the biggest <laughs> criticisms that that was a thing, but I was cool with it. What bugs me is that... Um she wasn't there longer. Like, I feel as if if like if her and Diana would have had more of a working relationship beforehand, and it wasn't just like after the second day of knowing her, I would have been just like Diana. I was like, wait, hold up, hold up. Like, it felt more as if it should have been something that oh, she's always seen Diana at work, she always admired her, and then she finally gets recognized. That would have been the best moment. But other than that, I have no complaints. Like, Cheetah was handled greatly other than that. And there's the moment at the end where everybody renounces their wish, but Kristen Wig doesn't say it. She's, like, regressed because of Pascal giving up his stuff, but, like, she doesn't say she fully uh, renounces it. So it's like, did Patty just sort of, like, put her on the shelf for later like
2: she has said recently Um, I think after the fast track Warner Brothers announced almost immediately that Wonder Woman 3 was being fast tracked Yes. <clears throat> and Patty made an offhanded comment about how maybe Cheetah will come back yes. I and, really hope she does honestly and I mean I think Kristen Wig she didn't like Kristen Wig is the major performance of the film
0: definitely like a lot of people were saying that like she was wasted no no like cheetah works her ass off here i
2: i would have preferred to see a few minutes shaved off of a few other scenes to have an extended fight with cheetah yeah i mean don't get me wrong what we did have was just beautiful because um i know parts of kristen wiggs costumes were actually practical effects really because um, I'm the the face the face detailing, I think she's wearing fake teeth. But Patty was very upfront about the fact that the majority of this film was actually practical effects. Oh wow! And unfortunately, you can kind of see that with the flying bits; that it, it looks kind of cheesy.
3: That's fine. That's fine. But
2: you know. Yeah, all the explosions, shit smashing into each other. At least a decent chunk of that was practical effects, and I'm a huge fan of Guillermo del Toro, so uh, I'm always for more practical effects. Most
0: of, I love practical effects stuff. That's why I like the older Star Wars stuff. Still rings high for me is the pride of the use of practical. Um, I think the fight with Cheetah speaks really highly to me because um, there's that. That really annoying um, new Fifty Two Justice League quote from Diana that like the the like like the really hardcore neckbeards like to use, thinking that Diana is just this hard ass. Where she's like, like you you and Bruce keep having your villains come back because you never deal with them. I deal with my villains. What she meant by that was that she tries to befriend or heal her villains so that way they don't keep coming back. And there's that moment in the water where, like, she's trying to tell Barbara, yo, give this up. Like, you don't need to do this. And Barbara still sees her as the chick who patronized her unintentionally. And she's just like, never. So Diana's like, all right. And it's like shoves her in the, the the water. And it kind of felt like the symbolic neck snap in a way where she's like, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to do it. And it just, mm, it, it broke my heart a little bit. I thought it was funny where she was just like, ah, daughter of Zeus, this
1: electricity's not going to do shit to me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So no, like it just, just the entire Cheetah arc was so well done for me. um uh, Travis, do you? Oh, go ahead, Mary.
2: Oh no, I was going to say I need like three minutes to rant
0: about something. Okay. Um, before before we love the three minute rant. Um, Travis, do you have any uh, other opinions on Cheetah?
1: Uh, Cheetah is kind of the reason why I think this was like great actors, bad script because I wanted more focus on Kristen Wiig and Cheetah more than I wanted on Maxwell Lord and Pedro Pascal. Don't get me wrong. Kristen Wiig really, really surprised me this movie with how like not comedic she was, Mm -hmm. and with how believable that performance was, and not to mention Pedro Pascal was really, really good. He's a very good actor. I've always liked his work. But I wanted more of Cheetah than I did of Max, and it feels like it feels like um, another Batman and Robin reference. It feels like Cheetah was Maxwell's bane. Does that make any sense? Mm. It really does. And she got a lot of development, and that was really cool. But in my opinion, it was not enough. Like, I wanted to see, like, kind of her descent into cold hatred for the world. And without it being just, Wonder Woman patronized me one time because I was as strong as her. That didn't sit well with me. Really, really didn't.
0: All right. Well, Mary, do you have any 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 rebuttal before you rant?
2: Um, <laughs> I'm just gonna let it stand.
0: Okay, okay, okay. We'll engage your <laughs> Um,
2: actually, I do think I think we all just wanted to see less of Steve Trevor. See, yeah, yeah.
0: undoubtedly, yeah. <laughs> like, and like, I I love how convolutedly stupid his return was like, oh, he's in some other motherfucker's body. I was like,
2: comic book book Diana would have had a really big problem with that. Yeah.
0: Like, like, like literally it's, it's very implied that she slept with him and it's like, so you just slept with this man who's basically just a skin suit? Like, and then at the end of the movie,
1: she's like, "Hey, you look good in that. I've seen you naked." <laughs>
0: yeah, no, it just uh, like it ah, uh, it, it's it's bothers me. And she's like, "I only see you," and I'm like, "I bet you do. I bet like because like, you never saw Steve like like Steve's uh, like uh, like uh, like under area like like so you you have no idea what's going on down there."
2: And she does. They slept together in the first movie. Oh yeah, they did. Never
0: mind. So she.
3: But no, it's just. Aspect.
0: It, like, it just, it was so weird. And, like, I, I can't help but feel a little bit bad for the dude who played this, like, the skin suit. Because it's like, damn, that's your, that's your whole house they fucked with. Like, I can't imagine him waking up and being like, what the fuck happened to my house? Like. <laughs> what the fuck are my fanny packs?
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> the fanny packs were on point, though. That was great. I, I appreciated that. Um, But. No, like, like Steve Trevor. It just, I, I understand why they did it because, and it goes to the complaints a lot of people have of why is there a movie in between, um, the first Wonder Woman and BBS because of like how Diana's so hurt by the world, which there's there could be something else that happens or. What, what have okay. you, this could be a new timeline or hyper time, as, as we, we know from the, um, the DC universe, where hyper time is like multiple different parallel timelines. But regardless, regardless. Um, I think them doing this was trying to like, like fix Diana's humanity before Justice League and BVS. That way she isn't just, like, solely trying to bring back Superman because he's the embodiment of hope. That, like, she can hope for herself to exist on her own without needing Clark to come back to life. If that makes sense.
2: I I think, unfortunately, it was... Because there's the line in BVS where Diana says that she walked away from mankind. Mm -hmm. Um The, I feel like that line has been wildly misinterpreted and warning for anyone I'm giving Zack Snyder credit um, the line has been horrifically misinterpreted because you know she quote unquote walked away from mankind that doesn't mean she didn't do anything that means she left the public eye because if we see the first Wonder Woman movie her being all out and with the people and you know chilling with the village that she just rescued and shit everybody kind of ended up dead and that had a very heavy effect on her that you know she kind of got you know deeply involved with what was going on in no man's land and everything like that and she saw a lot of death and destruction and so she kind of left the public eye but at no point does that mean that she didn't do anything and Zack Snyder is just kind of sitting there going wait that's not what I meant like so I mean I think you know if you look at it in conjunction with the first Wonder Woman movie everything makes more sense but I feel like it you know the line is muddled I, I feel like that's one part of it is that you know Zack Snyder likes to lean on poetic imagery a lot and the other half is nitpicking because people don't like him yeah because I feel like it just kind of, hey, I'm not a fan of his work, to let's attack the man personally. I, I, I do not understand it, do I, but I'm going to leave here. it at that. I, I I like some of his movies because I like the big happy bullshit. I think it's fun.
1: Wasn't this also a husband-wife movie, too? Like, that's where I start his wife. Yeah, because well.
2: she's
0: been a producer on almost all of the DC movies.
1: Oh, yeah,
2: no. He, he works very closely with his wife, uh, Deborah Snyder. They work very closely together.
0: Mm-hmm. Um... I want to talk about um, before we like talk about Diana's character like arc overall in this movie. I want to talk about um, the Cairo scenes because I know a lot. Uh. Of people, like, I know a lot of people's big criticisms <laughs> of these scenes are like the like yeah. slips in CGI and whatnot.
2: There's also a bit of kind of socio political criticism that I've seen for those scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And some I I am not going to say definitively what I'm just I, I am not going to lob accusations I, one way or the other. I just know a lot of prominent uh, critics and, um, you know, Muslim people, uh, Arab people kind of saying that they feel like the movie has an anti-Arab tilt because, of course, the Arab of course, the Arab guy has oil, you know. It,
0: it felt a little like on like like their attempt to go super like that direction, and I just I tried to yeah, ignore that solely because like the the whole oil theme with Max was just very bizarre. But I, I, I just it was very weird how they're like I, I want to retake back my land, and it just like, why why like why I'm not go gonna to lie, lie. Uh,
1: that that specific like Cairo part it just, I'm just gonna be the one to say it, uh, that Islamophobia felt like Back to the Future's kind of
0: Islamophobia kind of shit, you know what I mean? Ooh, That's a good reference. Mm.
1: Yeah, where it, like, it, it was it was not as bad as 9-11, but still pretty fucking bad. You know, like, why does he have to, it, it, he didn't say it, but he used more words to say death to the people who took my land, you know what I mean, like, or didn't yeah. follow, follow the cause it. or whatever, and it, Really struck a chord with
2: me. The, the part where I'm not gonna get too deep in is that you have a lot of people saying that the movie is just Israeli propaganda because mm. Gal Gadot is Israeli and oh, her, shit. yeah, that's um, it's really heavy and she was, you know, um. After you turn 18, if you're Israeli, you have to... I believe men have to serve four years in the military and women have to serve two. Don't quote me. That's just what I think. But I know it is um, compulsory military service. So Diana... Diana, Jesus Christ. Gal Gadot was an Israeli soldier because you have to be. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if there's a conscientious objector clause. I'm not sure. But if you're an Israeli citizen and you turn 18, you have... You know, there are several countries where you have to um, be in the military. So, you know, a lot of people will point out that she was a soldier at one point, but that's the only caveat is that kind of, okay, but you have to be. Whether or not, like, I don't know enough about Golgotha's personal belief system to say what I think is going on there. Nor is she very
1: public about that either
2: yeah she, she said something stupid I think in like 2012 or 2013
0: and even then like oh. since then she's been very non like speaking on that to make sure that her, her public work is focused on trying to make Wonder Woman a symbol she,
2: she has addressed it later on and the answer she gave was something to the effect of you know Playing Wonder Woman has really uh, shaped and changed the way she looks at things, which, you know, playing a character like this, I imagine it would. Yeah. And now she just really wants a peaceful solution. That you know, she doesn't want to see a lot of fighting. She wants to see a peaceful solution, which is very basic, but also very noncommittal. And that's that's a lot. But whether I'm not gonna say, you know, one way or the other, if I think the the movie is Israeli propaganda or if it's, you know, radical Zionism,
0: it was just very like, weird to throw in, yeah. Like, like the whole movie, like I don't, I don't want to make this kind of reference, like like because I don't mean it to be that kind of thing. Like it felt sort of the detour that um, Star Wars, uh, the uh, the Last Jedi took, where it was like, yeah. we're, like we're gonna, we're gonna divert over here to Cairo, and it's like. You didn't need to go there. Like, yeah, it didn't like, need to be an Egyptian artifact, it could have been a Greek artifact. It could have been with us, like, with that. And, like, it just, it felt very strange that you needed to go to Cairo to fight Pedro. Like, you could have went anywhere else, but you chose here and then included that information. And, like, yeah, he got the security team out of it, but why, it just, it was very strange. I, I know there was a lot of people laughing and making cracks about how she used the lasso to save the kids, but uh, it, it's it's an action movie. It's a superhero movie. What are you going to do? But it's I, a
2: magic, it's a magic rope. It can do whatever the plot needs it to do. Yeah. There, there, there are no arbitrary limits on the lasso. She's broken. You know, it's an unbreakable lasso, but in side stories, we've seen her break pieces off of them and give it to a little boy who wanted to be wonder woman. Like, wow, that is a really obscure reference, Mary. Um, <laughs> it's a Gil simone story where a bunch of kids are playing justice league and this little boy wanted to be wonder woman and i think he has like paper towel wrist you know wrist bracers and it's very cute and the other kids are like ew you can't be a girl and wonder woman just kind of pops up and goes hey what's going on she looks at little boy and says um here and she snaps a piece off of the lasso and says here you can have a lasso and if they want to tease you again give them this and make them say what they really think whatever it's very cute
0: so it's, like, I, I, I feel as if people need to, like, quit reading so much into this and just do it the fact that it's a good ride. And, like, I, I love the like, the, like, I love how fast Diana sort of just changes into her Wonder Woman outfit in the car. Like, it, it felt sort of like a, like a semi-spin. Like, hey, Steve, right here. And she, like, goes off. I love that moment so much.
2: Look, if we're gonna do a cheesy costume change, commit to the goddamn spin. <laughs> I, I
0: don't, I don't think they want to. I think they keep avoiding it specifically because they don't want to like, like go o- over the hill with it.
2: It's kitschy, and I think you know you want to avoid some of the kitschy stuff, like you know the mid-credit scene, if you will. We'll get to that. <laughs> if they had touched on that in the film, I think it would have been. A- been a little bit of a oof did you really just do that but um you know actually <laughs> fuck it that mid-credit scene is something i want to talk about
0: yeah we're gonna, we're gonna get to the mid-credit scene i okay. want to like talk about um like diana's arc real quick and then we will dive okay. into that mid-credit scene hold okay. up
2: i never got my rant give me a second all right go ahead
0: rant. Do
2: it. and i honestly i think that this actually serves as a lead-in to uh diana's arc actually you know as I sit here and think about it I don't want it to seem I just want to acknowledge that I'm not being dismissive of people saying that the movie has elements of Islamophobia or is Israeli really propaganda I'm not being dismissive I'm saying that I don't know enough about these situations I am not educated enough in these situations to kind of say one way or the other obviously I the the whole Egyptian Arab has oil scene it did make me incredibly uncomfortable because it felt like a needless jab and look russia has oil too it's the you know it's it's the waning days of the soviet union they could have done something there i feel and like kind of what travis said you know it was it was teetering on some things i want to think that wasn't intentional i know that they were probably poking at the fact that the price of oil in the 80s was skyrocketing so it was a very you know lucrative investment but you know i just wanted to kind of clear things up because i realized that i may have seemed a little dismissive and i don't want to be i'm just saying that i'm kind of a dumbass (laughs) no right so i just kind of wanted to lay that disclaimer that um you know lexi alexander talked about this um at length on her twitter so if you want to check that out i do recommend it Um, but my rant um kind of leads into talking about Diana's characterization and her character arc. That the damage that some writers have done to her character is irreversible. Jeff Johns obviously being the biggest one. James, don't hurt me. Scott Snyder hasn't helped. Um, Okay,
0: hold on, hold on.
2: Scott Scott Snyder he fundamentally does not understand the character. He doesn't write her poorly. He writes her very well for the characterizations that he uses, but he doesn't understand the character.
0: Uh,
1: I don't want to. Say that. He keeps him, he keeps Diana very hard.
3: Yeah, no. Like yeah. Biggest, the biggest
0: the biggest problem that Scott Snyder has with Diana is that I think he just he does he hasn't played that like he hasn't read that ball well enough. As in like he hasn't gone into that world whereas like you and like like mary you and i we've both read new mutants so that like till we've been blue in the face so naturally between the two of us we could probably tell a pretty good new mutant story but no. like, like, like same Wait, thing like, with see. scott he wrote like he read batman as a kid he wrote the hell out of batman and he had read justice league as a kid he's made he's made that point very clear but it's not like Scott Snyder was picking up every issue of Wonder Woman, so he he feels a disconnect with the character. That's why you see with Death Metal, he's trying so hard to like like, like give her some credit. And even in like the newest um, tales, like, like, like the end of the mult, like the, D- the the DC multiverse, that came out to um, this past week week, is like him trying to give Diana more props, more stuff. Like he made a point with Death Metal to say, "I'm going to give Diana a shot and try to make something of her." To the point that he literally threw her into the multiverse forge and turned her into Superman One Million, like he's trying. There's this, like, awesome shot has, that, like, of and, her fighting the Batman Who Laughs in the new issue. And it's like, he wants to, but I, I agree. I, I don't think he's fully on board with it.
2: He has improved. I mean, his Justice League read with Wonder it reads real rough with her. Yeah, and he has improved, and I was impressed with Death Metal, particularly the interactions she's had with Poison Ivy. And Poison Ivy is a character that Scott Snyder writes very well. Mm-hmm. He, that, that's a character that he really does understand the kind of sympathetic anti-hero uh, characterization that ironically is the most popular with Poison Ivy. And so he understands that there is a baseline compassion with Ivy and the fact that Wonder Woman has her contained so that way she doesn't experience what the hell happened to the world. It's a bit extreme, but it's a very Wonder Woman thing to do that she'd rather cause a little bit of pain than have you experience agony yeah. and Snyder has improved because you know that it's been a long-standing critique is that he didn't write Wonder Woman well at all and that's a critique that's been going on for a long time and it shows that he's been paying attention to it. Uh-huh. Unfortunately, that doesn't negate the harm that was done. And I'm not trying, I'm not sitting here going, Scott Snyder murdered her character. No, no, if anybody did that, it's Jeff Johns. Yeah, I'll admit to that. Because yeah. Jeff Johns, and he doesn't know how to write women.
0: No, you're
2: right. And, you know, new 52 era Scott Snyder didn't really know how to write lady superheroes. Because there's a bit of a different dynamic there, but I really do like to lay out his body of work and you see that progression and that he has gotten better.
0: Yeah, because you see it like right at the tip of Endgame where Diana is jokerized and it's like, "Mm, you're lucky that she's jokerized, otherwise you'd be doing really bad right now, Scott.
2: And that's the unfortunate thing is that, yes, she is a warrior that's you know she's an Amazon that kind of comes with the territory but the new 52 turned her into a battle hardened there's a coldness to her that wasn't there before
3: Mm
2: -hmm. and what makes the sword and the shield significant and the the lasso versus sword and shield argument is a pervasive one and Wonder Woman fans will rip each other to shreds about it like it is that intense of an argument. Um, what makes them significant is that she will pick them up when she has to, but she does not rely on them. Because, you know, the lasso was her only weapon for a long time because, you know, she tried to resort to peaceful solutions. Um, in Rebirth, Greg, there's a wonderful scene that Greg Rucka wrote where Diana talks about the fact that she usually gives three pe- people three chances before she engages in combat. That, you know, you can punch... You can, you know, take shots at that woman three times. And if you haven't surrendered by that third time, then she's going to escalate it. Mm. She doesn't want to, but she will. And I'm going to bastardize the Gail Simone quote for a moment. And uh, it's something to the effect of, if you want to stop a meteor, you call Superman. If you want to stop a bad guy, you call Batman. If you want to stop a war, you call Wonder Woman. Wow. and that's, And that's not, you know hey, she's going to come kill everybody and whoop everybody's asses. No, that means that she is going to put a stop to it by any means she has to. You know, if she's got to wrap dudes up in the lasso and expose them to, because the lasso can do pretty much anything you can imagine. Mm -hmm. You know, she will talk you down. She will try to engage through peace. But if she can't, then she realizes that. A la Breaking Maxwell Lord's Neck.
0: Yeah, that, and, like she had no regrets about that. She did what she had to do. So, like, and there's that shot after she breaks the neck, where Superman is just like, "What the fuck?" And it's like, "No, I did what I had to do." Let's
1: not forget, she also slit Superman's throat to do that. So,
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. and that that's actually a prime example of that narrative is that you know what sets her apart from Batman and Superman is that. Uh, If we look at it in blank term, in in base terms, I'm, you know, take a lot of the extra stuff out. There is, and this is partially a personal belief and it's partially a philosophical one. There is a certain degree of irresponsibility that comes with Batman and Superman. That they will not do everything in their power to keep people safe. Because sometimes some people just need shot. If that, you know, some some bad guys just need killed. Like, the Joker, for example. How many other people, how many billions of people, because Gotham has, you know, an inconsistent number of citizens, um, how many people have died because Batman won't do the thing? Exactly.
1: Especially since Joker War.
2: Woo! Exactly. That they keep upping the stakes with Joker more and more and more. And I think, and I do think that's partially a problem with the overreliance of Joker yeah. is that every writer has to up the stakes, that it makes Batman look worse and worse as time goes on.
0: Yeah, no, Travis, we were talking about it last week where it's like, like they need to do what they did with No Man's Land, where they just put him away for a long time, like, and, and, and then possibly bring him back, because like Endgame with Snyder was like, like was as far as you could possibly go with Joker. You made him immortal, and then Snyder even one up to that with the Batman who laughs sadly. Like, and I will and say sadly because the Batman, because Batman who, who, who laughs was a mistake. I will stand on that fact: the that Batman who laughs was a mistake.
2: Yep.
1: See, and the weird part about that is, is that Tynan at the end of Joker War kind of did exactly that. Like, Joker straight up was like, "I've done my, I've had my fun for a while. I need to lay low," type of thing. Now, how long he's gonna stay low? That's really the question.
2: But the movie made
1: the the dynamic to where Batman's gonna let him die, hopefully. I I say that grinning my teeth and holding my breath.
2: And I think that's a big problem that the more they raise the stakes on Joker, the more Batman begins to look irresponsible. Mm -hmm. Because how many people and this is a bit of a philosophical question but how many deaths is bruce indirectly responsible of because he wants to maintain his personal morality and you know that, that like i said there is no right or wrong answer to that question it, it's kind of a, it's a philosophical thought experiment in my opinion is that you know is he irresponsible for doing this and you know that kind of ties back to wonder woman killing maxwell lord she did not want to, but she did because she had to. And those moments... What worse would he have done?
0: (laughs) He was ready to, like, just ruin everything. And, like, there's that moment where she ties the lasso around him and he's like, what can we do to stop you? You have to literally kill me, dog. Like, I'm gonna keep going. And it's like, "All right, fine. Crack.
3: Like,
2: and the blank look on her face you know there, it's a you know kind of a grim look that she knows exactly what she is doing it was televised all over the world she was a un ambassador at the time the mascara was completely tossed out of the united nations for it um batman kicks her out of the justice league superman you know we, yep, see, yep. Super, we see superman's immediate reaction he's like what did you do and you know she's sitting there kind of like bitch he was gonna make you kill a bunch of people i saved you so not only you did she into the sun. yeah, so not only did she stop Maxwell Lord, she saved the people that Superman would have killed, but she also saved Superman. Because the mental anguish of Superman having killed even one person, even one innocent person, would be too much for him to bear. So she killed one bad guy, so he could maintain himself. And so these moments of escalation are kind of neutered when you know she's running around killing bitches in the new 52. It's a and so like, that's what makes it significant is that when she picks up the sword and shield, she's gonna fuck some shit up. Like, uh, for example, her fight with Medusa. Where a bitch literally blinds herself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love how you're just I like, yes, you're- that's the most best moment from her.
2: I'm sorry, that is that is probably personally one of my favorite Wonder Woman moments is when she's fighting Medusa in that giant fucking baseball stadium, mm-hmm. and she's like, oh, I'm not going to win. You know what? I'm going to take one of your snake heads and fucking blind myself. Nice. So that's kind of my rant, is that Jeff Jones turning her into a bit of an ice queeny bitch who likes to kill people has ruined a lot of... Of what she is, and Brian Azzarello did not help matters.
0: Right, and like, and I will even call back to Infinite Crisis, where um, Johns had already got gotten criticism for how he wrote Wonder Woman before Infinite Crisis, in different like sections like Teen Titans and JSA and what have you, and when he comes in with Infinite Crisis, trying to fix that, like how Snyder's doing with Metal. And it's like, he call he has Diana meet older Diana from the Earth 2, but she's, like, a ghost. And it, it's very stupid. Like, I'm sorry. Well, A, I don't, I, I as much as I used to love Jeff Johns, he's, like, kind of revealed to be a racist and an asshole, so I don't really care anymore. But like,
2: he, can, he can fuck off
0: and die. Yeah, no, like, he's a racist? I, I, used to, I used to love that man, but I hate him now. And it's like, oh. there's that moment where... Jeez.
2: Oh, Ray, Ray Fisher tore it all down. Oh yeah, like,
0: it's over now. Like we don't care. Like it's it's over.
1: Damn. See, these are things I was not cut off on, and like Infinite Crisis is my. Fa- I have the hard copy in my house. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs>
0: God, <damn laughs> so it's it. like I I have all I have like like half the, the the trades for Teen Titans on my shelf. Like I I I understand, <laughs> dog. so it's like, it's a, I, like it's I like there's that moment where Diana meets her Earth two counterpart, who's a ghost, who like takes her to Earth 2 in a, in a ghost-invisible jet, which is so fucking weird. And she's, like, trying to tell Diana she needs to feel more. And it's like, what? What? what?
2: And let, can, let me contextualize this for you, that Wonder Woman fans were very um, brutal about these kinds of things, ironically. That Tom King wrote two shitty issues with Wonder Woman. It was when... Bruce and Diana end up going off to like the hyperbolic time chamber or whatever the fuck it was, where they gotta fight a bunch of like I'm sorry, it's a hyperbolic time chamber from Dragon Ball Z. Um, so they kind of have to go off there and they have to fight things, and they're there for literally ten years, Mm -hmm. so the dude can go bang his girlfriend or whatever. And this is right before the I'm using air quotes here wedding, that you know. Uh. Diana has a bit of a seductive way to her that she's like, look, we've been here for 10 years. I'm horny. We should do it. And Bruce is like, eh, maybe not. And she's like, oh, fine. That was and so dumb. So, like, that's, I mean, that is a gross bastardization of the whole issue, but it's that seductive quality that she doesn't have. And those issues, I think it's a two-part it story. Is. It is. It those is. issues were so universally hand of this is such a clear fuck up of Wonder Woman that Tom King publicly apologized for the issues
0: which he publicly apologized for Heroes in Crisis Right,
2: but I mean yeah. that should tell you kind of and it's not even you know an, oh we're going to attack this person because he got Wonder Woman wrong there are people who do and I do not condone that but even you know, you know I'm using air quotes again the legitimate critics are kind of like this is not good and it's, you know, very much that hardened, blank, cruel warrior aspect that even if Diana is romantically interested in someone, if they're not into her, she's like, mm, okay, this this sucks, but whatever. And it, it's just, like I said, so that's a, that's a decent example of how particular Wonder Woman fans are with her iterations. And that's where I think the divide comes in because despite her popularity, surprisingly few people have read more than a singular run or two. Ian, Ian took it in a snarky direction and said even more than an issue or two. But surprisingly few people in comparison to the DC fandom as a whole have read very few solo runs. And that's where a lot of this is established. And if you're only exposed to her through things like Justice League and whatnot, you're going to get a very pigeonholed look at her.
0: I've read a lot of the Perez runs solely because of Donna and I have no, I have no regrets.
2: Oh yeah. You know, Perez is fantastic. Um, John Byrne is a transphobe so he can fuck off and die. Um, Jimenez is another fantastic run. Obviously Simone and Rucka knocked it out of the park. So there, there is a lot there. Um, I do not recommend, I recommend singular issues in the silver age, mostly because Robert Kanger can suck on a giant dick for all I care.
0: Don't forget Orlando.
2: Oh, yeah, no, like, unfortunately, my brain still lives in the uh, the pre-Flashpoint crap. But um, Orlando understands the character. Um, and I'm a Wonder Woman snob. I think we've established this. Yes. He wrote the singular greatest single issue of Wonder Woman that I have ever read. Yes. And I have consumed decades of this character's media. And he wrote the singular best issue. That I have ever read it's it's a one shot and it's about uh, Transformation Island which is a real big golden age throwback there and it's about um, oh my god what's her face um, Mayfly uh. I don't know anyway I don't remember the villain off the top of my head but it, it's just it fully understands who the character is that you know this is a bitch that shot her this bitch like shot her in the abdomen and Diana says you know what I'm going to go visit her and see how she's doing. (laughs) And the issue takes place over several years and that, you know, for years, Wonder Woman goes to see this woman who brutalized her Mm -hmm. and they do become friends eventually. And it's that interaction with Diana that kind of causes her to rehabilitate a bit. And when she is finally released, Wonder Woman's waiting there with the invisible jet. Like, Hey, we're besties. I'm going to take you home now. Like,
0: and it's like, 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 fixing the problem. I love
2: that. She will whoop your ass from to the sun and back, but if you're genuinely very sorry, she'll buy you some ice cream. Like um, Anyway, that's my rant. It blew over 3 minutes. The uh, damage funny. the damage that Jeff Johns and others have done cannot be rectified, and I scream into the void every time someone's like, "But Wonder Woman would just kill him." Um, it
0: hurts. So, overall, I think that Diana's arc here. Um, I want to spit like is like, really well done. Um, I think the moment that everyone keeps arguing about it online, um, of like, oh, Wonder- why is Wonder Woman crying? I'm like, shut up. Like, <laughs> like, it, like no. shut the fuck up. <laughs> One of the reason why I'm saying shut the fuck up is because there's the the literal neck snap that is. Man of Steel where fucking Clark is
2: the lord next nap. god damn it
0: yeah like freaking Clark is going "Ah!" and has to have Amy Adams run up and like hold him because of what he's done but you're telling me Diana having to literally give up the person she already lost once and like like, heal herself and run to go save the world isn't worth Crying about, like, you can suck a dick because, like, that is still worth like, like be crying yeah, like,
2: over. Like, I mean, can... hell, even in Superman, when Lois Lane dies, Christopher Reeves, Superman starts crying and runs around the world and turns back time all share style. Like,
0: all share style?
2: He <laughs> literally turns back time.
0: The, the gays love share Travis. we need to get over this. <laughs>
1: the reference is impeccable.
0: <laughs> no like 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 like, if you're really gonna get mad at Diana crying over Steve Trevor, like yes, she's like essentially fucking a skin suit with Steve Trevor inside of it, but like. It still hurts, man. Like, I don't know what to tell you. She still, she still is like has that like, really powerful moment when she's facing off against Max and she's like on the ground pleading to the world, renounce your wish because I had to. And that like sticks to that moment for me of you know, she's one of the strongest heart willed persons in the world. Like fuck but like, like and that's why there's that moment and I I hate giving John's credit for this. But there's that moment in Blackest Night where Diana becomes a Star Sapphire. You would think Diana would be a Green Lantern. No, 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 no. No, she, Star Sapphire made the most sense. She would be a Star Sapphire because she loves people. She cares. She cares so much that she, like, like I hate to I make mean, the fucking Jesus reference. She gave up her love to love every, the entire world. Like she had to make the hardest freaking choice to protect the world. And so when you see her do that, it's powerful.
2: And I I honestly think Steve's death in well death, I guess, I'm using air quotes again, in this movie is actually far more emotional for me, than the first one. Mm -hmm. Because in the first one, it felt very much like man gets big damn hero moment when he blows up the plane. It's very emotional, and Pine does it very well. Unfortunately, I think Steve Trevor as a character is supremely boring and uninteresting. Because he just, he was a self-insert for Marston in the Golden Age, and then not much really changed, except he became Soldier Man. So I just... And it's not Pine, it's not anybody, I just think Steve is boring. But in this movie, you know, he had to, you know, not only, like, he does a suicide dive in the first one, and that's, you know, indicative of he will also do what he has to do to save the world. But I found something more emotional in the pleading with Diana to let him go. You know, he's talking about, I got to have a second chance. I got to see this, you know, fantastical world of the 1980s. You know, he got to see where society went. And I think most people would want a second chance. And he got to have that. But he knows that, you know, it it ties back to the first movie. I can save today, but you can save the world. And it is that love. It is that mutual respect and the acknowledgement that, You know, in the first movie, she says that the Amazons are a bridge to a greater understanding. And there's, you know, that selflessness that we see on the mascura in both films and hell, even in the comic books that she brings to the world in the end of the movie of, you know, James, like you said, you like you need to renounce your wish like I did because the collective is more important that and there's bad things always happen when Diana gets selfish and she doesn't do it very often, and it's not malicious. If she wants something too much for herself, then things can go a little wonky. That's why, and this is ironic that I'm constantly complaining Diana should have a girlfriend, because God damn it, pull the trigger on that. That's why I don't like, this is going to get me in trouble, I don't like Etta Candy's retcon. Because um, in Rebirth, they retcon- Greg Rekker retconned her to um, a gay woman. And I I feel like that's just a, a little too convenient to say, oh, hey, you know, if we want to put gay stuff in Wonder Woman, we don't have to, you know, piss people off by giving Diana a girlfriend. We can just, you know, bring Etta in and have Etta have a girlfriend instead. Mm. So I think it's just, I think it's a little too convenient to retcon Etta into being gay. <laughs> and it just, it doesn't sit right with me for that reason, that it's a little too convenient and just give Wonder Woman to Marguerite Bennett already. But all of that aside, that's why I sort of think it doesn't make sense for Diana to be in a long-term relationship. Because she can't have, pre- you know, she she can't play favorites. Yeah. So, because bad things always happen when she does. And it, it's, like I said, it, it's, you know, convoluted and it doesn't make sense. But that's kind of where I'm at with that. Oh, and, oh god So I just wanted to tie it back like so that's why I kind of felt like this was more emotional because Steve you know he he just you know Chris Pines pleading with her like you have to let me go and I found that to be intensely emotional and um, it played to Diana's emotional strength because you know she's the best fighter in the DC universe and she is. But she's also, you know, I'd wager the second or first emotionally strongest character in the DC Universe. And emotional strength is something that gets shit on a lot. Because emotional strength can mean just as much as physical strength. I mean, my god, look at Lois Lane. Lois Lane can go toe-to-toe with Superman because she's such an emotionally strong character. She is, you know, the emotional strength behind a a good Superman book.
3: Mm Mm-hmm.
2: Y'all need to cut me off because I'm ranting and going fourteen okay. different <laughs> Okay,
0: um, Travis, what what was your opinion of like the, that that scene where uh, Steve lets let, let, tells her to let let him go?
3: Oh
1: man, it, it, uh, I'm gonna just reiterate what I told you guys before. I'm not saying that Gal is a bad actress. That would be a fucking lie, okay? I just think she needs to get better at sad stuff person no
2: she she does she couldn't keep up with pine in that scene
1: yeah pine did all the heavy lifting in that and to me she was like doing this weird ugly cry face but with no tears and i'm like man this is rough but like
0: (laughs) but i will say damn it if that moment when she's running away and she like says i renounce my wish like that was that was a powerful moment
2: and when she busts out the lasso and that cry of just, okay, I got to do some shit. But there's, you know, it's just this anguished scream that she does. And she's like, God fucking damn it.
0: And then it's like, yeah. I can yeah. Yeah. It's was like, awesome. yes, do it. do it, do it. Which
1: was weird for me because, like, it was literally just that one scene. Because later on, when she has the lasso wrapped around uh, Maxwell Lord's neck and shit's getting sad, she crushed it. And I was—I literally remember watching
2: it like today and being like, "What the fuck? Where was this earlier?" <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, the, one, the lasso whip reminded me. Gal Gadot apparently she had to get like shoulder and back surgery after the movie. Oh
3: wow, really?
0: Gnarly.
2: Yeah, because I guess she got it. She got fucked up in a couple of stunts that she had to get surgery afterwards.
0: Damn. So, so no, that's Cause, commitment right there.
2: Because we saw her.
3: Sure.
2: We saw her on the wire rigging for that. You know, because I don't remember if they were released, the pictures were leaked, whatever. But we saw her on the wire rigging for that, and everyone's like, "Oh my god, invisible jet!"
0: Mm-hmm. And yeah, no, invisible jet. That. Mm,
2: oh, I loved it.
0: I, mm, <laughs> like i don't know she like i starts, have she, she starts like pulling a mirror and like willing the element in her hand and then she's just like invisible i'm like ah like this is the problem with her being the daughter of zeus you get weird shit like this and it would, uh.
2: Contextually, it made sense i am a i am the owner ask, ask victoria how much she hates it i have four invisible jets <laughs>
1: like clear lightsaber plastic jet? Yes. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> I, have,
2: I have the massive, like, 13-inch pop figure invisible jet. I have the Dorb's invisible jet. I have the invisible jet that came with the Legion of Collectors, and I have the goddamn Christmas ornament that's the invisible jet. No. I have four of them. Don't I was screaming my goddamn head off.
0: I, and like, and they made it a fighter jet too. Like, I was like, really, like, it's it just. And I love Chris. Pa- Chris Pine plays every scene well, like shit a fucking. Die, like he's like, well, shit, die. Like, like no, that, that that was from him going like, oh, there's radar now. Okay, oh, we're okay, fucked. Okay, sorry, I love that. <laughs> like, oh, they can find us even in the skies, no matter what I do. And like, I was so afraid they were gonna have like a like like a, like a Iron Man one style like chase through the clouds but then they didn't do it i was like thank you thank you for saving us some time you just made the jet invisible and flew off like that made it really convenient but just the way she like willed it in her hands i was like ah that's that's really weird why doesn't she just like touch it like it would have made sense if you just touched it but the fact that you're like willingly like a ball of air in your hand like your fucking ang from avatar it was just so fucking weird
2: i I don't i don't think the scenes are related at all but i just think it's really funny that the two major instances of the word shit is used in the dc eu have involved wonder woman (laughs) because in when the thing crashes and doomsday's all like i'm gonna roast batman bruce goes well shit and Mm -hmm. then doomsday powers up and diana drops down to save him and then That theme will never stop being incredible. See,
3: no, uh, for me,
0: the, uh, let's, let's talk about that for a like, second. Because, like, when when you have the Hans Zimmer, like, orchestral version, like, at during the Cairo scene and during the Cheetah fight, I was like, for, I finally am hitting the, the guitar riff yeah. fatigue. I'm finally I'm hitting the big. fatigue where, like, <laughs> it's better as the rift. You can't just make it an orchestral thing and make it okay, Hans. Like, you need to just Do let another- the guitar play.
2: Do you want to know the weird thing about it? What? That's not a guitar. What is it? It's an electric cello.
0: That's awesome.
2: Because Tina Guo, she, um, she's a musician, and she has this... I'll have to send you the video later, James. She has this badass electric cello that she uses. I love oh, So, no, I-, I got knocked on my ass when I figured out, like, oh my god, that's a cello.
0: <laughs> so, no, like, um, I think diana's character arc overall is very well done i know like we're going over time as it is so i want to like like move to it like a nice uh finish point um i want to say as we wrap up that i'm hope like even though they're fast-tracking a third one i'm i want to see them move to the future i don't want to see a 90s joke feel annoying
2: I have seen some things. I I haven't um, corroborated them. I haven't, you know, vetted the statements. But I did see something that Patty may have said that it's going to be a contemporary story. So maybe like post-Justice League.
0: That would be great.
2: And honestly, you know, just one other critique that I kind of want to, you know, have a little rebuttal with sure, go is that. I'm going to name names and don't go after him for this or whatever. But Donnie Cates posted a tweet Ooh. and he said that nobody called her Wonder Woman in the film. And that is true. And that DC, quote, needs to stop being afraid of their characters or something to that effect. And... Wasn't she
1: intentionally hiding who she was? That doesn't make sense. Yeah. Turn on Donnie.
2: And even, I mean, even in BVS and Justice League, she's never referred to as Wonder Woman. Hell, fucking Cy-
0: Aquaman. Momoa says Aquaman- the name at the end of the movie.
2: Aquaman, Cyborg, Flash. Because, hell, you know, we don't even see Flash considered until, you know, CW's crisis.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. So, like... I think that's a very specific critique that almost seemed like a pointed attack. I'm not saying that's what it was. It's just if you look at everything else, the only two named characters are kind of like Batman and Superman.
0: See, Donnie Cates has a problem where he, like, I, you know, I gotta watch my words here. Donnie Cates, A, you need to quit writing Venom porn. I'm just gonna say it. I, I know I, I'm a I, I know I'm a Snyder, I'm a Snyder, Snyder fanboy right, and I enjoy my right, Batman right. porn, but like Venom porn needs to stop because like because we're at like the that. point now where the Empire event was already knocked off its ass by COVID, but we're still doing your Venom porn. I'm sorry, but no. Yeah. Like, like I was I was kind of burnt out on you when Cosmic Ghost Rider was a, thing. Was a thing, but anyway, um, when, when it comes to when it comes to Cates, I feel like he's riding the fact that people enjoy him as. Marvel's emo boy a little too much, and is is letting the fact that Marvel doesn't have him on a leash get to him.
2: Is Marvel Scott Snyder? No,
0: no. He did have.
1: Is is he the one who had No Rip Century in half pretty recently?
0: If anyone's, If if anyone's, um, fucking. Marvel's Scott Snyder is Jason Aaron because they both have similar upbringings where they started in indie they are well, really I mean, dedicated to characters and Donnie same thing Kate. with Batman the, see, the thing
2: is that Donny Cates has the similar aesthetic look at Metal versus King and Black <sighs> that's oh, what goodness. I mean is that they, they write in similar fashions with similar aesthetics and, and Venom are different but, I mean, I'm talking, like, Metal and King and Black, you know? I'm not seeing King and Black do anything that Metal didn't, you know?
0: My counter to that is that we had War of the Realms, so Metal and War of the Realms are similar. Meh.
2: All I know <laughs> is that we're three very hardcore DC fans and we're drawing the ire of people. But... Donnie Donny Cates, he did delete the tweet because there was not a great response to it. Yeah. Nice. And... Yeah, he had a response tweet that was, um, Huffy is not the word I'm, I'm thinking of, but like, you know, kind of, meh. You know, he was grumpy about it, as one would be when attacked for something no. they said. But I just, I, I find that comment to be a little irritating, and the fact that people are trying to use that as a critique, and that DC is, quote, afraid of their characters... Just,
0: <sighs> it, yeah, that's just, no, I don't like that. And and I, I will say this, Mr. Cates, I enjoy your writing. Don't get me wrong. I love your Thanos run, despite Cosmic Ghostwriter poking him in the side like fucking Deadpool. But, like, I love your Thanos. You're a good writer. I'm not going to refute that. But I need you to put the symbiote down. Like I feel like you're the kid with, w- 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 like, like you're the kid with the slime at school whose parents are ready to pick him up. Where it's like, like, honey, you can put the slime down. It'll, it'll be there when you come back. Like, no, I want to keep playing with the slime. Like, no, like, just put it down. There's other stories to tell. You can do some other cool shit. Like, go write Doctor Strange because Mark Wade's tired of writing Doctor Strange. Like, do something else. Just put the venom down. <laughs> but that—that's uh, my end of that rant. Um, the point is, um, Wonder Woman is a is a pretty good movie. Um, I expected more of a war between Mary and Travis. I'm, I'm a little let down. But um,
3: Travis, uh, Travis, Travis, Tra- Travis.
0: Tra- Oh, go ahead. Mary,
3: go
2: ahead. I hate you. There. How's that? <laughs> I was gonna say, <laughs> Travis, say Tra- Travis, you're stupid, and I hate you. <laughs> Is that uh, better, James?
0: No. <laughs> but no, like, w- one day we're going to get a real war. I'm excited about that. Um, like, actually, no, I get, I get my war in a few weeks when comic Gudo comes back, because we get to have our Stephanie Brown and Cassandra Kane Cassandra fight. But... <sighs>
1: We already know Cassandra wins
0: in all forms. Well, no, like I we mean, even had the Cassandra Kane and Stephanie Brown fight last week, like when you weren't here. But like having backup will be nice. But anyway. Oh man.
2: no! I'm sorry that catering to. No, I'm not. I'm not gonna go there. No, I'm not but, gonna
0: go. <laughs> but no, like uh, Travis, do you have any closing thoughts about the movie before we do uh, final statements for the mm-hmm. evening?
1: I didn't hate it. I didn't absolutely love it. I'll probably watch it again.
0: See, I'ma still stay on my like I'm a biracial kid who always loved Aquaman and still say without a sh- without a like a-, a lack of doubt in my mind that Aquaman's the best DCEU movie and I will die on that hill. Um, Water Hamlet, yes. Water um, Hamlet, yeah. I
3: fucking yes.
0: Well, like, like, yeah. Um, but no, like, Aquaman is the best DC movie. Uh, I I will die on that hill. Um, but at the same time, I enjoyed the first one more. But I like, like, I kind of, I kind of, I'm gonna echo what Jeremy John said on YouTube, where it's like, I enjoyed both movies, but I enjoyed the first half of Wonder Woman one. More than this half, but I enjoyed the ending of Wonder Woman eighty four more than the ending of Wonder Woman one. If that makes sense, like, like
2: that's a, that's a fair critique.
0: Yeah, it, it's very much like I love Pedro's build up, except for the Cairo stuff. I enjoy Cheetah, but at the same like, like like and it kicks Ares and Doctor Poison out the park, and, and like, like the first front of Wonder Woman one was better. Oh a, a big
2: problem with the second half of the first Wonder Woman film, and Patty Jenkins has fuck you money now, so she can just rip Warner Brothers a new one, and they still give her money for it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. she she admitted that the big Ares fight in the end of Wonder Woman was studio mandated; that they wanted a big superhero fight. Oh damn! Oh damn! So I think that's why it didn't quite fit with the pacing. Well, shit. That's kind of annoying.
0: All right. Um, Mary, do you have any closing thoughts before we do final statements of the evening?
2: Yeah. um, I enjoyed the movie. It really did. Um, It's not better than the first one, and it was never going to be better than the first one. The first one had a lot of cultural importance attached to it. You know, this is a character that she was 75 years old at the time. This is her first movie. It has to deliver in these checkmarked areas. And it delivered in those checkmarked areas. No Man's Land is probably one of the most emotional moments in all of comic book movies. Yes, Because it's, you know, it's the introduction the character has been waiting 75 years for. Mm -hmm. So Wonder Woman 84, in terms of, quote, being better than the first one, never stood a fucking chance. I really enjoyed the movie because I do have a ridiculous, you know, catalog brain of Wonder Woman moments, and Patty understands the emotional range of the character. So I really enjoyed that. And, but it was, it was good, but not great, in my opinion. Fair enough. enough. I rated it high in my review because of the little things I talked about and you know there are comic book parallel moments like when she whips the lasso around Cheeto's wrist that's another comic book parallel so I mean ever. and she rides the lightning that's another comic book parallel and so there's a lot of little things that Patty injected that I really enjoyed unfortunately those moments really only appeal to people who have read decades of Wonder Woman because they're little tiny innocuous things that, you know, go into the movie but aren't, you know, widespread knowledge. And that's ultimately a fault on DC's part because in 2017, they just realized, oh my God, this character is profitable. So let's try to stuff decades worth of importance in three years. But I'm not bitter at all.
3: (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: All right. Um... And
2: One thing I do want to talk about is the goddamn mid-credit scene with Linda goddamn Carter?
0: Oh yeah. Okay, we we can do that real quick. Okay, so whole movie they were hyping up us like the the hysteria thing. They even like have the moment where you have the like the the male warriors fighting against her, and they show her eyes in the flashback, and I was like,
2: is that Linda? And then. Like, it- all it right. looks familiar.
0: Yeah, no. Like, I, looks-
2: I was
3: like, is that Linda?
0: And then and then like you see the ending. And I'm going to make this joke solely cuz uh Mary and uh, Travis will appreciate it. I love that Linda Carter can catch a fucking electrical pole, but Donna Troy can't, and that pisses me the fuck <laughs> off. But anyway. Um, so <laughs> but anyway.
2: But I love that it not only ties in with the Golden Eagle armor, which is probably the most prevalent comic book callback, because that's a callback to Kingdom Come. And so I, I love the Golden Eagle armor. I have dreams about it, and it was perfect, and I love it, and amazing. And, you know, Diana mentions that, you know, she found Asteria's armor, but never found Asteria because, you know, she stayed behind so the Amazons could escape. So not only did Asteria manage to get away from, you know, the Greek warriors that were trying to enslave the Amazons, um, that, you know, she's been around for, you know, let's say a couple thousand years at this point, just kind of doing whatever. And that incredent scene where, you know, she's walking and it looks like it could be golgado And I was, and when we see the part of her eyes, and I literally, I believe they literally just stuck the helmet on Linda Carter and said, let's take a close up real quick. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, she has a very distinctive eye color and I'm like, okay, you know, I'm seeing a link. That's fun. I had no, um, expect- I, I did not know this was going to happen. Because, you know, we had the Christmas scene tagged on and I absolutely believe that was a later edition because this movie was supposed to release in June and now it's a Christmas movie. Then we get to the mid credit scene and we see, you know, her walking and then the pole snaps and it's going to crush the baby and we see her catch the pole. And she's wearing a golden bracer and I'm like, what is this? And Victoria, you know, she just kind of cocked her head too. And you know, the lady's like, Let me thank you. And when she turns around and does that Linda Carter hair flip, I actually, you know, I flailed in my chair and started banging the armrests because I was so excited. <laughs> I
1: yelped a little, I'm not
0: gonna lie. Honestly, I, I was off. just kind of I, I like, my, my jaw just kind of hung open. I was like, Oh, hi, Linda.
2: <laughs> and, and her, you know, you know Asteria you know oh the name is from my culture you know, it's a shifting of the weight and then she look you know she says i've been doing this for a long time and she winks at the camera that is how you do a mid credit scene yes i agree and you ha- you have nerds that are like how is this going to play into the greater dceu it's not shut the hell up
0: you know like right now if asteria Let the pulls up sky high,
2: have
0: fun. if asteria <laughs> pulls up in wonder woman 3 I ain't
2: gonna say shit. Oh, God, no. No, 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 no. I'm not gonna say shit.
0: But, like, I don't see it happening.
2: Wonder Woman has had two major live-action actors. And, you know, Batman and Superman, they've had dozens. I don't, because that pilot was horrific. right. (laughs) It was never released. I don't care if Pedro Pascal is in it. Actually, good for him. He went from the shitty pilot to the movie. Yeah. Um, I don't care if Elizabeth Hurley in all of her glorious attractiveness was going to be Veronica Kale. The pilot was shitty. The costume was shitty. Adrienne Palicki, however you say her last name, she can be Mockingbird.
3: Yeah.
2: She can go off and be Mockingbird. I do not count an unreleased pilot as a live action character. (laughs) Anyway. I'll say two and a half. But she's (laughs) she's had two meaningful, how about that, meaningful live action actors. Yeah. Versus, you know, Batman, who's had at least half a dozen. Superman, who's probably had more than that. I mean, Batman and Superman were getting film serials as early as the nineteen forties. I I Wait, have. Wasn't
0: there a third? Wasn't there another, like a blonde Wonder Woman chick? There? there
2: was the original pilot for the Wonder Woman TV show it was a blonde woman in a star spangled, like a legit seventies jumpsuit. Okay, so only
0: totally three and a half.
2: Yeah. <sighs> It's If you want to count Policki and that one, three, but I'm, I'm tacking meaningful onto it. Fair
3: enough. <laughs> you know,
2: Gadot, this movie is Gal Gadot's fourth go around as the character. Yes. And Linda Carter did multiple seasons as the character. The other two, honestly, you have to fucking Google. Yeah. So, I mean, and I believe the pilot with the blonde gal was either a TV, I don't know if that was released or not. But it it, it it would be like calling Nick Cage a legitimate Superman actor.
0: Hey man, he was he was Superman in Teen Titans Go! that go to the movies. So, I don't care. But anyway.
2: I'm talking about his, the, that thankfully failed Tim Burton movie. It would be like calling Nicolas Cage a Superman actor. I know. <laughs> oh, that was funny. It, it's nitpicking, but in the larger scheme of things, Linda Carter and Gadot are the only ones with any meaningful impact. Yeah. And to see them both... You know just kind of exist in that same movie it was a lot of fun and there was a lot of you know call for linda carter to be in the first one and that would have been a bit much in this one it fit they set it up it made sense contextually there are people who hated it and those people can go suck a dick
0: yes um so, well after that amazing rant from mary we are gonna go ahead and wrap up this show Don't forget, folks, that you can listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Radio, Spotify, YouTube, Pandora, Amazon Prime, Music, and Audible, and all those other great places. Um, I purposely ended there because I love the way she said, suck a dick. I love that. Um, But, but, no, um, we will be back next week for our 50th episode, and it is going to be an enjoyable episode.
1: It's going to be a one-woman show.
0: God damn it, I was waiting for Mary
3: to do that.
0: (laughs) What killed the dinosaurs? The Ice Age! But anyway... (laughs) Um, don't forget folks you can follow us on Twitter at PTP underscore podcast. Look out for the for the for the Twitter this week, where we will be dropping the thumbnail for our fiftieth episode, so get ready for that. We had an amazing artist uh, commission for for our thumbnail for the fiftieth episode. I'm very proud of it. Okay. <laughs> um and um we will, we will be doing a lot more uh, content in twenty twenty one, so get ready for that. All of January and February will be DC future state coverage with a little bit of other stuff mixed in. Uh we will be having more guest stars more fun stuff going on, so get ready for that. Um, Travis, what is your closing statement for episode 49 of Panel Two Panel? Oh, man.
1: Honestly, yeah, I'm going to watch this movie again, but not with the same lens I had this time around because, like I said, it wasn't the best. It definitely wasn't the worst. The internet definitely lied to me on that one. I'm, I'm really kind of ashamed that it got this much, like, anger. I don't understand uh um, definitely check it out i mean it's it's worth watching it's worth watching especially if you like wonder woman you like the shit that she does and you want to like get in touch with a real wonder woman and not you know what jeff johns has done to her watch this
0: movie yes um mary what is your closing a- a statement for uh issue 49 of panel to panel
2: uh, two things. One, this is why we shouldn't have Wonder Woman episodes, because I don't stop.
0: I um, we should, because I love hearing you rant, because that's, like, part of the show is Mary ranting.
2: But I mean, specifically about Wonder Woman, I could probably do a, a series of collegiate lectures. Um, Let's
0: fucking do it, anyway.
2: And two, the movie is good. It is not great. I think we need to kind of reestablish that things can be good the internet has kind of shaped the belief either it is the best thing in the world or it's shitty and terrible and should not exist. Yes. All that exists on the internet are the polar opposites. Things can be good. Things can be alright. Things can be eh. Wonder Woman definitely falls into that good category. Yes.
0: Um, My closing statement, as always, support your local comic bookshop. Um, I I had another thought. Also, um... Screw you, Titans. If Linda Carter can catch a pole, so can Donna. Um, we will be back next week getting taking shots every time there is a corny line in Batman and Robin for our amazing drunken commentary that we will have for our 50th episode of Panel to Panel. We will catch you folks next time. Peace
3: out.